In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic of what love is not. This conversation was originally recorded in March of 2021. We want to remind you, Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join the conversation. So today uh, we're in the middle of the love chapter, which is 1 Corinthians 13 and all the descriptors of love. And in verse five, right in the middle of that is, I think this particular phrase captures what love really is. And it's simply this, love is not self-absorbed. Uh, that's the phrase that is the translation out of the voice translation. And I really like it uh, because it, it, it captures it fully. So love doesn't mean that we never think about ourselves. I'm going to talk about that more. Uh, well, I might as well talk about it now. So think about the life of Jesus. Jesus laid down all of his rights and privileges when he became man, when he, he became one of us. But he didn't quit being differentiated, and he didn't quit having boundaries, and he didn't quit taking care of himself and doing the things he needed so that he could function uh, in life. And, and so both are true. And, and I think what tends to happen in my experience is people get lost in one ditch or the other. So we either become self-absorbed and we just, it's all about us and me and what I want, or we think, well, oh, self-sacrifice means that I never take care of myself. I never think about me. I give up boundaries. I'm never differentiated. I never say no or a variety of other things, I think it's both and. And and therefore, I love this word or this phrase or this way it's translated in the voice. Love is not self-absorbed. So it's not absorbed in, in itself. I like the message paraphrase, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, because in it, he says, love is not always me first. Love is not always me first. And I really like that. So, so it's this idea that, that love is willing to sacrifice its own rights and freedoms for the well-being of others, for the good of the community. Um, love, here, here's the way I, I have said it. Love wants everyone to flourish, not just me, and not just the other people like me. Love wants everyone to have enough and all to have opportunity. Love is not self-absorbed in just who it, who it is. Yesterday, I was out on my walk, and uh, I uh, a truck drove by. And, you know, I, I live in Tomball, 
and it's kind of a country community. And so when a truck truck drives by, you typically are thinking uh, a particular kind of person. But on the back window of the truck, um, it, it this guy had he had he had put in te put text on the back window of his truck, and here's what it said. It said, "God bless the world, not just America." And I thought, oh, wow. I, I mean, if I, had, if I had been able to run, I would have tried to run and catch up with the guy and say, I love that. Because I think that's what love is. Love is about the world. Love's not just about me and my kind or me and the people I like or me and the people that are just like me. And that's what God calls us to. So I, I'm, going to uh, I'm going to put in the chat. I, I forgot to do this already. I should have already done it. But I, I want to put in the chat window my notes for today. I have some. And, um, and uh, because there's a couple of other verses that, of Scripture that I want to share with you. First um, Corinthians 10, verses 23 through 33 is, uh, is a section of Scripture where, where, it, where Paul again writes and says, uh, love's not selfish, that love gives up uh, its, its own desires and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. Um, so I just want to come back and, and remind us, loving myself well, providing good self-care, having personal boundaries, being self-differentiated, all of those things, I'm convinced, are necessary prerequisites to not being self-absorbed. So hear, hear that clearly. Uh, I think those things are prerequisites to not being self-absorbed. And when I love myself well, and, and, I, and I have good self-care, and I'm differentiated, and I have boundaries, and all of those kinds of things, it enables me then to sacrifice my rights and my freedoms for those uh, of others. So love doesn't force, his, force its way to the front of the line. Love doesn't ignore the needs of those who are less fortunate. Love doesn't take things personally, but love has empathy for others and demonstrates empathy towards others. So love is not self-seeking. Love is not self-absorbed. Love is not me first. Those are some of my thoughts for today. So what's that stir up for you? Want to talk about it here for a few minutes? When, when you list those things about being self-differentiated and um, the list, yeah, to me it it sounds complex and it sounds very difficult. It's like this. It's yeah, it really does. Mm. So. Not necessarily, mm -hmm. but it creates this, um, it kind of heightens my awareness mm -hmm. of all the factors that are involved in, in, in loving well. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of factors. There are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I would appreciate those notes just to kind of read. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm going to uh, I'm going to send them to Angela and get her to post them up <laughs> so that because I'm I'm struggling in the middle of of doing both things. Uh, so give me just one moment. At, at times, I I it feels overwhelming, but hmm. that's I I think that happens when you're kind of in the midst of. Um, maybe a more stressful situation where you know you need to love well. Yeah. And but it's all not coming together. And yeah, yeah. 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 And I mean, I, the challenge to love well, you know, I don't think we're ever going to be perfect at. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's just too big. Uh, and, and we're not God. Uh, what, what I do believe, Jerry, is that it is tied to this idea. So, so this is my own personal testimony. The more that I've learned to grow in my own emotional maturity, which includes the idea of learning to define myself well, learning to establish boundaries in my life, and learning to take care of myself what I call loving myself well, the more I've learned to love myself well, the more I've found I have capacity to love others. Uh, but when I don't love myself well, when I, when I neglect myself or ignore myself, or when I say, well, my needs aren't important, then it's like I'm almost uh, it becomes a chore to love others. And, and so for me, it's it's staying out of both of those ditches on either side, and uh, and it is a bit complex because I don't think we get taught how to love ourselves well very much, and we don't know how, right? Uh, we we don't know what boundaries are, or we don't know we don't know how to express our own needs and ask for what we need, and we don't know, or we think, oh well, that's sinful for me to ask for what I need. Uh, and yet, when I when I compare, you know, uh, you you look at Philippians two. So Philippians two three through three through eleven, where it, it's the scripture where Jesus where it talks about Jesus and says Jesus gave up his rights as God and took on human form. Well, well that that sounds extremely self sacrificing, but then I look at the life of Jesus in his ministry and I realize. And yet, Jesus was clearly differentiated. He could say, this is what I think, this is what I believe, even though you think and believe different. Jesus clearly had boundaries where he said no at times. No, I can't do that, or no, I'm not willing to do that. So so self-sacrifice doesn't mean that I just begin to do what everybody else wants all the time, and that's all it means. Uh, so yeah, I'm 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 gonna just shut up. I probably have already overtalked. Ken? Yeah. Can I add something? What came to my mind was so Jesus demonstrates to us to give good love to people. Yeah. Um, so if I can draw an analogy with um so I have I have a body, I have two hands, I have balance, I have two legs. If I want to learn to play court tennis, I need somebody to show me mm-hmm. and to train me how to do that. Yeah. 
that person would have practiced himself or herself. Yeah. Like, like making mistakes for themselves mm-hmm. to, to understand the best way of doing it. And then they train other people. So they learn how to be trainers, if you like. And it just occurred to me that, you know, Christ demonstrates to us. He teaches us what good love looks like, what it should feel like. And I think the first person we ought to try it out on is ourselves anyway. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and we'll never be perfect about it, but at least get a good working model, if you like know what it feels like and when you know what it feels like to be loved properly then Mm -hmm. you know your heart wants to share that and you naturally want to be that way with others that's just one aspect that's one viewpoint that just came to mind yeah for sure yeah and um my my response i had like a little bit of kind of partly what jerry was feeling but also uh, uh, another side so so I am intimidated still after you know being involved with faith walking for a while because I know those processes are complex. Um, but at the same time, I spent most of my life with this dictate of like loving other people that just I just didn't know what to do with it. Was, it felt like it was either this I had to you know conjure some sort of emotional response or, and or I had to serve them all the time, which was a very all or nothing sort of model uh, that had no boundaries and and I was not and that wasn't going to happen so I just felt like I never loved you know I didn't love people or I loved like my inner circle so I don't know for me there's kind of some hope I don't know uh, it's putting excuse me putting flesh on some of these things um, mm-hmm. even though my kind of modus operandi is to be intimidated and think I'm not adequate and all this kind of stuff. The truth is, as I mean, as I'm seeing these things changing slowly over time, it's like, this is something I can really um, move toward, you know, and feel like I'm moving toward the right thing versus this kind of floofy, loofy love people thing that I feel like I got my whole previous life. So that's just kind of my thoughts. That's good. Thank you, Angela. Yeah, I'm still not sure what floofy loofy is, but uh, but I hear you. everybody knew it. Floofy, did I make that up? <laughs> As I, I, of course, I've I've had this in my back pocket now for about a month. This study, so I've been thinking about it for quite some time. And uh, one of the things that I've recognized in myself it's 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 really easy for me to see and to judge people who don't love well, who don't give up their rights and their freedoms, and it's my rights and my freedoms come first. So it's really easy for me to do that. And it's also really easy for me not to love people like that very well. Mm. And so I've been asking the question, what does it look like to to love people well who don't love well? <laughs> and, and, uh, and oh, wow, that, that, now that's hard. Yeah, how do I love people well who don't love well? What does love look like for for people like that? I don't have an exact answer for that, but Angela, I was thinking something that I heard many years ago um, in response to what you said is that love is not an emotion, it's a decision. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's helped me a whole lot because I can can make that decision even if I don't feel that warm, floofy, loofy um, feeling Mm -hmm. about other people. Yeah, yeah. And 
in in light of that, I, I want to come back to this place of, and I think it's really hard for us to love well because we don't know how to love ourselves very well. And I, I just I just want to say I don't think we will make much progress. So again, so where does that come from? What's the greatest of all commandments? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor just like you love yourself. And and so for me, neighborly love flows out of self-love. And and learning to love myself is not selfish. It is it is not ugly. It is not wrong. It is not sin. Um, that I'm convinced, unless we love ourselves, we really don't have the capacity to to love others much. And so, uh, so what? And I really didn't intend to hone in on this, but but what does it look like to love yourself well? Uh, what does it look like to acknowledge our own needs and ask for what we need? That's one of the things I think we love, the ways we love ourselves well. What does it look like to give yourself permission to take care of yourself? What, is it, what does it look like to, um, to either ask for or provide f- for yourself good self-care? And, and then what does it look like to grow in, in, in my self-differentiation, and which includes having personal boundaries that include the ability that, okay, you know what? I'm just going to say no, because I don't have the capacity right now. I, so I think that's really important. I also think on the other side is we love others. Um, the needs are overwhelming. And, and so within uh, what, what I believe is, is good theology is the idea that as we love others well, we are discerning from God where God is calling us to step into action to join with God in loving someone well. Uh, that we're, yeah, yes, I'm responsible to love well all the time, but, but I can't love the whole world all the time well. So who are those individual people? What are those individual places? And so it's living a life of discernment of, okay, God, where are you inviting me to join you? Where, where are you inviting me to become the hands and feet of Jesus to someone else? Um, I, I, and I think, I, and so, do, so I, I don't think uh, that that, lessens the command, I'm to love everybody everywhere I go. I'm to live a life of love. But I do think it there is that element of I'm listening and discerning the voice of God as I do it. Well, why don't we divide into some groups and y'all discuss or does somebody was somebody unmuted? Trish, were you about to say something? Go. I was. Um, when you talked about how we, some, some of us have believed that loving ourselves is a selfish thing. Yeah. And I was definitely in that camp, was taught and believed that um, self-love was really a sinful thing. It was just mm-hmm. something we automatically did. And um, coming from that aspect, there was a real tendency to um, serve people out of a sense of um, guilt and also the um, fear of being vulnerable to people 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and serving people out of guilt just for me really led to over-functioning and becoming so overwhelmed that I really served no one at all. Yeah. And, um, as I'm growing in this and becoming more self-differentiated and learning to become more vulnerable, I've been, I've been asking God, you know, I can't, I see so much as we all do in the world that needs fixing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that can be overwhelming, but to ask him, you know, like what you were saying, what is my part? Where is right. my part in this? And right. it doesn't have to be huge. And if I start to feel that sense of guilt, then I, a, a couple of times I have felt that lately, then I just kind of have to step back for a moment and know that true love is not that that's being triggered out of guilt, but that is really wanting to give um, unselfishly. And yeah. I think I will probably, I don't know, I may struggle with that for a long, long time, but I know as I'm, as I'm growing in these other areas and I'm risking being vulnerable, it helps. Yeah, good. Thank you, Trish. Um, one thing that I have been dealing with um, as I've gotten older um, is looking back and recognizing that I had a hard time loving myself because I never heard love from my mother. Um, I, I don't recall her ever saying, I love you. It's, I, I just don't. And so I never felt adequate. I never felt I measured up to her standards and I always had to try harder and harder and harder. And as I've been, and I, I wish, my mother died in, in 96. Um, I wish I could sit down and talk with her because I'm sure this came from pain in her own life, but she never talked about it. She covered it up. She pretended everything was perfect. Um, Always the house had to be perfect. The, her clothes had to be perfect. The yard had to be perfect. I had to be perfect. And, you know, I couldn't measure up to that. Yeah. Um, And as I've been learning from that and and wishing I could go back and talk to her seriously and and honestly, um, I decided what I needed to do if, if she carried that into her relationship with me, I probably carried my inadequacy and my feelings of failure into my relationship with my kids. Yep. And so um, because they live all over the place, I've only been able to talk to my older son first. But when he was down here about two months ago, um, we got coffee together and sat down and I, I told him this and I apologized if there were things that came from my pain that affected him. And I, I asked if he could tell me what they were um, and he couldn't come up with anything, but I think it opened the door for further conversation. This isn't a conversation I'm gonna do with my daughter or other son on the phone. It needs to be face-to-face and COVID has made that a mess, but um, hopefully um, by God's grace, I'll have that opportunity mm-hmm. sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's tough growing up when you're 69. <laughs> I hear you, Judith. It's t- it's tough at any age it, yeah. to to grow up. Uh, one of the things that that I say, uh, so don't beat yourself up because you 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 did what you knew to do and you did the best you could with what you knew to do. Uh, now you are no now you know more, and so okay. Uh, but I say this often, and I believe it deeply. Uh, all children have to get over their parents. I, I don't care who they are. 
I, I say it this way. If you were the perfect parent, your kids would still have to get over the fact that mom and dad were perfect, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's just it's just part of the gig, you know? It's just It's just one of the things that we all have to get over our parents. And so I, I would encourage you, it's great to have those conversations and I'm glad you are, uh, but it's also just part of the game, I think, um, part of being a parent. And I know, I know a, a, a few of you have not experienced the, the faith walking process, but in the faith walking process, folks, this is the stuff we do. So we, we help uh, people unearth the wounds of their past and we help people move forward and uh, learn to grow in their emotional maturity and differentiation and love themselves well and all those kinds of things. So it's just a little commercial for that. For more information about faith walking, visit www faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that Faithwalking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us backslash donate. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.